Hello and welcome to the Down to Business podcast. This is a podcast brought to you by Ohio Chamber of Commerce. I am Rick Carfani. I am Senior Vice President of Government Affairs for the Ohio Chamber. Glad you're all with us today. I am here joined by my Government Affairs team to present to all of you the 2022 year-end legislative wrap-up. It's been quite a year of legislative and election activity. We just got through one of the historically long lame duck uh, sessions in the Ohio General Assembly's history. It went well until about six in the morning, uh, having started at 1 p.m. the previous day. But, you know, that's the culmination of two years worth of legislative activity. So we are here today to talk a little bit about uh, some of the wins that have come for the business community over the past two years. And With that, I'd like to just quickly go around and introduce the team, but then we'll go one by one and talk to all of you. So we have with us Kevin Shemp, Meredith Craig, Justin Barnes, and Tony Long. Uh, and I will acknowledge uh, Sherry Hefner, who is our administrative assistant, kind of the, uh, the the guts of our operation, does all of the heavy lifting, is not here today. Uh, it is the holiday season, and you know people are all over the place doing different things. So Sherry is with us in spirit. So you know, with that, I'm just going to go right to you, Justin. You're actually one of the newer faces here on the Government Affairs team. Could you talk a little bit about uh, yourself, give them a quick introduction, a little bit about your background, and talk about some of the policy committees you'll be overseeing? Sure. Thanks, Rick. Uh, as, as you mentioned, my name is Justin Barnes. I currently serve as the Ohio Chamber Research Foundation Executive Director. Uh, prior to that, uh, I spent a couple of years working for the state of Ohio as the federal liaison in the office of the governor, and then spent six years actually working for our president and CEO, Steve Stivers, on Capitol Hill. Um, so as uh, in my role as executive director of the Research Foundation, uh, I oversee a number of research projects uh, spanning a number of different issues. Uh, we focus on issues important to the business community uh, and important to our member companies. And we really try to provide data to legislators and policymakers across the state to help drive home those policy arguments and help them understand better uh, the, the decisions that they're making and the impact that it has on the business community. Uh, one of the things that we published this year, uh, which happened in October, uh, was the Blueprint for Ohio's Economic Future. This is a, a 90-page report uh, that covers a, a host of different issues, some of which I'll talk about shortly. Uh, but the purpose of that is to identify ways in which uh, Ohio can build upon the recent successes and announcements of things like Honda and Intel uh, and others uh, to really make Ohio the most competitive state in the country for business. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to do was understand where Ohio ranks in comparison to other states. And so we contracted with Accenture uh, to conduct this study. And uh, we found that there are six major areas where Ohio can put a little bit of emphasis and focus on uh, to help drive the point home. Uh, and those six areas are education and workforce, which continues, workforce continues to be the number one issue we hear from our member companies uh, here in Ohio, uh, at, at the Ohio Chamber. Uh, sense of place. Uh, people move for a, a job, but increasingly they also move where there are uh, recreational opportunities, where there is uh, quality uh, education and, and healthcare system, uh, and where there's economic mobility. Um, taxes and costs, obviously, as a, as a Chamber of Commerce, we're, we're focused on um, the cost burden uh, of doing business faced by businesses uh, across the state. Innovation and collaboration, uh, we, we uh, want to attract uh, continuous improvements in R&D, uh, announcements uh, like the innovation districts go a long way in, in helping toward that. But we want to attract that venture capital uh, to uh, Ohio. Uh, business friendliness, uh, there are some ways in which we um, 
license too much and regulate too much. Uh, and so we want to draw attention to those concerns and, and help address them uh, through legislation and through administrative action. Uh, and infrastructure, you know, people hear the term infrastructure and they think roads and bridges, but it's a lot more than that. It's it's the Internet. Uh, it's uh, your power grid, making sure that uh, businesses have uh, reliable access to to energy at, a, at an affordable cost. So uh, those are the six levers. Um, those are the areas we intend to focus on from a legislative policy perspective for the foreseeable future. And really what this is, uh, is a report that kind of sets the stage for the next six to 10 years of, of legislative advocacy for the chamber. Uh, and so we view this as a living document. There are going to be some things that we can accomplish in the short term. There are some things that we're going to work on that are going to take some time and we're going to need some strong and reliable partners in the legislature and in, in uh, statewide office that will uh, help us get some of these things done. But we feel that uh, if we can make a, a solid amount of progress towards some of these objectives and recommendations we lay out in the study, uh, we feel like uh, Ohio can be uh, continue to be a, a, an economic development leader and, and truly be one of the most competitive places uh, in the country to own and operate a business with the goal of being number one, obviously. Um, as Rick said, I'm actually transitioning out of the role at the Research Foundation come January, uh, and I will begin to cover uh, workforce and education policy uh, for the chamber. Uh, and I will also cover the Ohio Small Business Council, uh, and I will cover uh, the Technology and Innovation Committee here at the Chamber. So uh, excited to join the Government Affairs team, excited to turn some of this, uh, some of these recommendations from the blueprint into legislative agenda items, and uh, excited to uh, advocate on behalf of businesses and our member companies uh, across the state. Thank you, Justin Barnes. Uh, and, and as you said, you know, we want this blueprint for Ohio's economic future to be a discussion point for economic policy. We want this to be an incubator or legislative ideas over the next General Assembly. It's not just in terms of um, uh, bill concepts, but also uh, in the budget process. You know, we're going to have a number of budget cycles coming up over the next decade, and some of the things that are in there are low-hanging fruit. We can get done sooner than later. Other things are going to take more interested party meetings, a lot more fleshing out, but, you know, in the long run, it's going to help position Ohio to be um, really strong here, here in the nation. So, Thank you, Justin. And, um, you know, you're certainly no stranger to the Ohio Chamber, but we're glad to have you uh, in the role of advocacy now on our government affairs team. So uh, we're going to transition over to another fresh face to the government affairs team, to the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. And that is Meredith Craig. Meredith Craig, uh, you are three weeks on the job, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about uh, your background and what you're going to be handling for us. Sure. Thanks, Rick. So as Rick mentioned, uh, I'm just finishing up my third week here at the Chamber. Excited to be part of this government affairs team uh, and hit the ground running. I will be managing the Chamber's health care policy agenda, um, so I will be overseeing the Chamber's health care committee as well. So a little bit about my background. I spent about six and a half years at the Ohio Department of Insurance um, as a member of the director's senior team while uh, managing regulatory and legislative affairs. Uh, prior to that, I did spend some time in the State House, worked for both the Ohio House of Representatives and the Ohio Senate. So a lot of experience in healthcare, health insurance, and, and like I said, excited to, to be in this role. So as we head into the new General Assembly, uh, we will undoubtedly see some issues resurface. Uh, a couple of those include copay accumulator legislation and white bagging legislation. Uh, so when I refer to copay accumulator legislation, what I'm referring to is um, uh, a bill that would require health plans to count any copay assistance programs through third parties. Uh, most commonly used are drug coupons, 
uh, this legislation would require those to be counted towards the insureds or the, the person's out-of-pocket costs, um, the cost sharing that, that goes towards um, the deductible. So um, we are going to continue to monitor that piece of legislation, uh, dive a little bit deeper into that, um, and be more involved. When I refer to white bagging, uh, this is a practice where health insurers require the drug to be purchased through and prepared by the insurer's specialty pharmacy and then is shipped to the provider or hospital for administration. Uh, so this legislation would prohibit that practice. Um, so again, something that our members are interested in uh, on both sides. And so we will continue to monitor that and, and be involved um, so just looking ahead over the next few months, I plan to dig deeper into these two issues, look at other things, as Justin mentioned, uh, with the blueprint, diving into other issues the chamber can be involved with and push um, and advocate for. Uh, ultimately, my goal is to look at a holistic approach while ensuring Ohioans have affordable and accessible health care. So I look forward to, to being part of this team. Thanks, Rick. Well said. Thank you, Meredith. And, and of course, we want to drive healthy outcomes for all Ohioans here at the Ohio Chamber, but we think we can do it. Thread that needle so that not only are we driving more healthy outcomes, but we are also doing it in a, in a manner that is pro-business, that is not um, being overly cumbersome to administer, and it is not um, driving up insurance rates um, at uh, astronomical rates. So thank you, and uh, there'll be plenty of work ahead for you, Meredith. Moving next to Kevin Shipp, who is our general counsel, among other numerous hats that he wears. Kevin, talk a little bit about yourself and some of the policy committees you oversee. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, as he mentioned, I serve as the general counsel and director of labor and legal affairs at the Ohio Chamber. Uh, so I, I focus my time on unemployment compensation issues, workers' compensation issues, civil justice issues. Um, and, and those three buckets uh, keep me busy, and it's, it's something I really enjoy. And um, we just introduced two new members of the team. I think I now have the distinct privilege of being the most senior member of the team at four years here at the Ohio Chamber. Um, so want to talk about uh, the legislative accomplishments that we had over the last uh, General Assembly. A couple of the bills I'm going to be talking about are um, former colleague Kevin Boehner led the charge on, so you know, want to make sure he gets due credit, and I hope to... Um, describe them aptly for him. And that, and that starts with um, Senate Bill 1. So when we're doing a legislative recap, let's go all the way to the beginning um, with the first bill introduced this General Assembly. Uh, those uh, may on the listening today may recall Senate Bill 1 was introduced by Senator Steve Wilson. Um, it was the culmination of, of a couple of few years of work for, that he had pushed for to uh, require high school students to receive a semester's worth of financial literacy as part of their graduation requirement. Um, ultimately, that bill uh, made it across the finish line. The Ohio Chamber was happy to support it um, and, and key vote that legislation. Another bill that, that uh, Kevin Boehner worked on that I want to talk about is Senate Bill 9. Um, Senate Bill 9 is reducing regulations here in the state of Ohio. And when we talk to Ohio Chamber member companies, they want a, uh, a business climate that allows them to operate with as few restraints as possible to help them be as competitive as possible. Senate Bill 9 helps them achieve that goal by requiring the state of Ohio to reduce the number of regulations on their books by 30% by 2025. Um, they define a regulation as a, uh, a code or, or a rule that has uniform application, um, and it uses words like shall or must. So we, we, we are going to see 
fewer of those types of policies going into a place in the next couple of years. Uh, part of Senate Bill 9 is also a two-for-one rule reduction. So if a state agency is unable to meet the 30% reduction, uh, they then have to uh, proceed forward in a, in a manner where for every um, new rule introduced, they have to roll back two of them until they meet their 30% requirement. Together, Senate Bill 1 and Senate Bill 9, um, we think help reduce regulations on the state of Ohio uh, and business owners, while also arming the next generation of Ohioans with the right amount of financial literacy to make them successful um, once they get into the workforce. Moving on to a couple of pieces of legislation I worked on. Um, first one is a, is a piece of workers' compensation legislation, House Bill 447. Uh, this deals with injuries uh, sustained by employees who are working from home. We all know that the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in a massive shift from folks working in the office full-time to many working in their office full-time. And even you know, years after the, uh, the, the government um, mandates were, have been lifted, um, we do see a work-from-home workforce that we think is going to uh, remain and so it, we thought, uh, let's get ahead of the curve here a little bit in Ohio. Let's uh, put into our statutes, our workers' compensation statutes, um, a test for what is a workers' compensation injury for an employee working from home. So it's a, it's a three-part test. Um, it requires the individual to um, be engaged in activity for their work. Um, they have to be injured by a special hazard of their employment, and they have to be undertaking a task for the exclusive benefit of their employer. Um, we believe this is a, is a good test that will allow folks who are injured while they, you know, get carpal tunnel while typing on their computer uh, for their employer, you know, they'll still be eligible for workers' compensation benefits. But should someone, you know, trip over their cat or their rug when they're going to pick up a UPS package, uh, those types of injuries would not be compensable. That bill was sponsored by Re uh, Representative Brian Lampton um, and received uh, unanimous support throughout the legislative process. So we were um, glad to key vote that one and glad to see that get that across the finish line. Another piece of legislation I worked on was Senate Bill 47. Senate Bill 47 is really a, a two parts. Uh, there's two parts to this legislation. Uh, the first one codifies a longstanding definition that the U.S. Supreme Court had enacted back in the 1940s, which essentially says that a person uh, is not eligible for overtime pay or does not need to be compensated for work if the uh, amount of time spent doing that work is de minimis. Uh, so we worked with the Ohio Association for Justice uh, to craft some language on that uh, piece there to bring that U.S. Uh, Supreme Court language into Ohio's overtime laws. Additionally, uh, Senate Bill 47 also made changes to how uh, wage and hour class action lawsuits are brought in Ohio. So before Senate Bill 47, um, if you were... Um, facing a class action alleging you failed to pay overtime or minimum wage, all of your similarly situated employees would be presumed to be part of that class action lawsuit. After um, Senate Bill 47, however, individuals who uh, your employees must opt in to that class action lawsuit if they want to be a part of it. This was uh, really a strong amendment added um, in the House. Uh, a strong advocate was Representative Bill Seitz, we were excited uh, to put that piece of 
the uh, um, into the bill, and we made it really a, a good bill better there. And so uh, that was signed into law in April of this year, um, and, and became effective you know three months after that. Um, as I looked at other other legislation we accomplished, one of the things that we have seen in Ohio is our trust fund for our unemployment compensation system has been historically underfunded. You know, whether it's the 2008 recession or recessions before that, um, whenever there was a downturn in the economy, um, Ohio's unemployment compensation trust fund went insolvent and Ohio had to borrow funds from the federal government to pay benefits for unemployed Ohioans. Um, this was this um, happened in the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Ohio borrowed just about one and a half billion dollars from the federal government. Um, and Ohio employers who entirely fund our workers' compensation trust fund was about to be on the hook for paying that loan back. However, uh, with the leadership of Governor DeWine, Lieutenant Governor Husted, Senate President Matt Huffman, and Speaker Bob Cup, uh, they directed a portion of the state's American Rescue Plan dollars to pay off that loan. That uh, legislation, House Bill 168, saved Ohio employers $100 million this year, and over a three-year period uh, was projected to save at least $600 million. So that legislation alone was, it was a big victory. Um, it, it helped employers avoid increases on their payroll taxes um, in a year where we've seen some financial turmoil, but also as they've been trying to recover still uh, from COVID-19. And then you've had, uh, we actually had a pretty big victory in lame duck with regards to unemployment compensation law. And I guess before I ask you, Kevin, what that was and explain that, I need to explain to the listeners that may not be aware what lame duck is. Lame duck is really the compressed period of time that comes right after the general elections in November, but before the end of the two-year General Assembly, which is December the 31st. So you typically see a fast and furious um, transfer of all of these bills uh, between the House and the Senate of issues that maybe have been going through committee processes over the past year and a half, um, and they just decide really which bills are going to uh, get signed and, and, or excuse me, get passed and sent on to the governor and which are going to die on the vine. And any bills that are not passed out of the legislature within that two-year period, you have to start completely over come January 1st and reintroduce the bill. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was all the way, almost all the way through both chambers, you've got to start from step one. So, you know, there's always a lot of pressure to get things done during that lame duck period. Uh, there are, you know, frequent late nights. There are frequent amendments and bill drafts and and all kinds of things. So, um, so with that context, talk a little bit about uh, Senate Bill 302, Kevin. Thanks for that, Rick. So Senate Bill 302 was our latest accomplishment. Um, and this legislation was uh, the product of the Unemployment Compensation Study Committee, as I like to call it. Um, it was a... a bicameral legislature uh, study committee that consisted of members of the Ohio House, members of the Ohio Senate, both Republicans and Democrats. And their goal was to study uh, our workers, or, or, pardon me, our unemployment compensation system um, and really what went wrong um, during COVID-19, What and then what can we recommend to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Um, that committee met uh, for many months and produced a report 
and also introduced this legislation. So it's, it's Senate Bill 302. There was also a companion bill in the Ohio House that Representative Mark Frazier had introduced. Um, Senate Bill 302 did a lot of different things, but probably most importantly, requires the Department of Jobs and Family Services to enter data sharing agreements uh, with selected state agencies so that they can verify a person's income, they can verify um, and check death records and prison inmate roles to verify that the person who is uh, seeking these unemployment benefits are eligible for them. Um, and those data sharing agreements are going to be powerful. Uh, if you look at the Ohio Auditor of State, Keith Faber, did a, uh, a report um, following COVID-19, and, and he found that nearly 250,000 unemployment claims were filed by deceased individuals or individuals who are, were incarcerated. Um, and while that's not, you know, every fraudulent uh, fraudulent filing that we saw here in the state of Ohio, that's a obvious, obviously a large number that we believe uh, requiring ODJFS to, to check data records uh, with the Department of Rehab and Corrections and the Department of Health to check the uh, death records. We can eliminate a lot of those filings and make sure that um, – those in Ohioans who are deserving and eligible for unemployment benefits receive them um, without undue delay. So that was really important legislation. Um, it, it did um, pass or, or I guess finish its le legislative journey uh, on Wednesday on the last day of the session. Um, and I think this one might have been before midnight, though. So, it, you know, it wasn't one of the, the last ones done. Uh, but we were glad to see that it was done and uh, helped us knock off another item on our public policy priorities from uh, this General Assembly. That's great. Thank you, Kevin Shimp. Uh, I'm going to turn to Tony Long, who's been waiting very patiently, but also handles actually some very key policy areas for the Ohio Chamber. So, Tony, give us a little bit of an introduction about yourself. Thanks, Rick. Uh, this is uh, Tony Long, Director of Tax and now uh, Director of Environmental and Energy Policy here along with doing some transportation work for, uh, even though we don't have a policy committee, uh, we do weigh in on the transportation budget and things around that. In, in terms of this General Assembly, we saw some really uh, uh, important changes to the tax code for the state of Ohio. We were able to finally get over the finish line, a repeal of the sales tax on employment services. So before this repeal, if an employer used temporary associates on the plant floor or in the office, to supplement their own staff, there was a sales tax owed on that whole contract, including the labor uh, cost of those uh, temporary employees. We were able to remove that in the budget bill, and that we think that's going to save close to $300 million for employers over the next two-year period. Uh, other changes in the tax area included uh, probably an increase in our score with the Council of State Taxation. They do a number of studies on state tax administration uh, by the various states, and they score our property tax administration at a D plus. We were able to work on House Bill 126 to change who could appeal or fight on the valuation of your real property. When there were changes to real property in the past, there were third parties that could uh, challenge that at the Board of Revision, then onto the Board of Tax Appeals. With 126, we were able to say that that should only be the taxpayer to bring the appeal and, and relieve uh, uh, taxpayers of the burden of third parties starting a lawsuit. 
So those were the big kind of changes in the tax area. I think there were also a number of changes in what I would call economic development. And those changes were brought on both by federal dollars available and by the strong economy in Ohio. So with Rick's help back in his old role, uh, we were able to get broadband over the uh, finish line and, and develop some broadband grants. We've had one round of that to bring high-speed internet to parts of the state that do not have it now. Uh, another area of uh, development was the transformational mixed-use development. This is a series of grants over the next four years to bring mixed-use development to areas of the state in certain cities and in, in smaller counties now uh, with uh, transformational projects uh, to add to the commercial value in that surrounding area. We also added some money for brownfield uh, redevelopment of properties that needed to be kind of cleaned up uh, from their current state into either greenfield or prepared for commercial development or even new housing um, uh, developments as well. So those were important kind of economic development wins as well during the budget cycle and the last uh, two-year cycle as well. In terms of the environmental side, uh, we were able to finally get uh, past uh, a new uh, definition, uh, kind of revised the definition for the EPA on ephemeral streams in House Bill 175. Uh, that was passed this past spring. I can move on to the lame duck. Yeah, go ahead. We got a lot of yeah. really big wins in lame duck. Yes, we did. Uh, in terms of staying on the environmental front and energy front for our waterwork companies, we were able to get a change so they didn't have to wait for a uh, – rate case at the Ohio EP or at the Ohio PUCO, uh, they can now begin to do some infrastructure work in between those cases and get those online and to their customers much, much more quickly. Also during lame duck, we were able to uh, finally um, pass a, a bill that we had um, signaled as an important bill. We've key voted it now, and that had to do with uh, the use of electronic wireless communication devices, simply known as a smartphone. Uh, and that becomes now a primary traffic stop if you're using it in such a way that the officers can tell that it's not up to your ear or you're trying to text and drive or watch a movie or countless other things that you might be doing on that device. So that was in House Bill 283. It got amended into another bill, but it got over the finish line here at the last minute. Really, really big, important bill that was important to a number of our members uh, across the economic spectrum. So we think that will make Ohio a much safer place, keep uh, people safe while they're working, and, and bring everyone home at the end of their shifts. Also during lame duck, uh, we were able to get a couple of bad debt bills done for some of our members, one in the tobacco industry. Uh, this has to do with when certain accounts are defaulted, uh, they were able to recover sales tax that they had previously paid to the state of Ohio. They were able to get that uh, removed. Likewise, in the general uh, retail sector, if you have a private uh, label credit card, uh, you now can take a, a bad debt deduction on the sales tax you pri uh, previously paid to the state of Ohio. So in Ohio, every transaction is treated as taxable or non-taxable at the time of the transaction. So you would, may have to prepay that sales tax to the state of Ohio, even if it's on credit terms with a customer and they're paying you later. Um, so in this case, if they don't pay you at all, you can file for and get a, a um, refund of sales tax you previously paid to the state of Ohio. 
Also in that bill, we were able to add uh, some changes to the way vapor products are taxed instead of at the kind of the front end of taxing everything that might be at a warehouse. We now can look and, and see if those products are staying in Ohio or leaving Ohio and taxing the right amount of product staying in Ohio. And then in House Bill 66, which is just a requirement to add property tax exemptions to the expenditure report uh, bill, we were able to add a tax credit um, for CDL training. So uh, we have a, a crisis of not enough commercial drivers in Ohio. We think uh, this is an industry that needed kind of a, a light shined on it. It doesn't fall inside of tech cred. Uh, so we had to find another way to uh, bring some relief to folks uh, charged with certain costs to go and get their CDLs. So this income tax credit should help that uh, for those applying for those uh, licenses. Great. Pretty thorough update. Appreciate that, Tony. Uh, and I'll go on to uh, my side. Uh, I'm Rick Harfania once again. I, I head up the legislative team and I oversee our policy agenda here at the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Uh, when it comes to our policy committees, I head up what's known as the Public Affairs Committee. It's a bit of a catch-all. It's, it's maybe a lot of uh, policy items that don't necessarily fit nice and neat into all of the other different uh, segments that we have here. Uh, but you know, we did have a number of things come through. Uh, you know, one of the big ones being uh, state issue one, first off, um, uh, and that was an offshoot of what was known as the Ohio Supreme Court's DuBose decision in January of this year, which basically said that local courts could not take into effect or take into account community safety when they were setting the financial parameters of bail. Um, we thought that was a pretty big deal. There were a lot of high-profile pro incidents after that decision of, of people who were arrested for some pretty egregious violent incidents that found themselves back on the streets just hours after uh, being arrested simply because the judge did not have the parameter to set public or to, to use public safety as a condition to keep them behind bars. So um, we got engaged on that issue. Uh, thankfully, there were a couple of of House bills. Uh, there was a House joint resolution, a Senate joint resolution that said that uh, to amend into the Constitution that we should require public safety to be included as a factor in setting bail. That became known as State Issue 1, which went to a vote of the people statewide and thankfully passed by 77.5%. Yes, so pretty overwhelming support for that. We were glad to play just uh, well, I, I would I would say a significant role in, in not only um, getting getting that on the ballot, but getting it passed as well. Um, there were some other uh, things that we were involved with. One was uh, providing incentives to businesses that offer work based learning experiences for career tech students. You know, that's that's one of the things that you know we we really need to try to destigmatize and 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 get kids introduced to at more of an early age, and that is. Uh, skilled trades, uh, our career tech schools. And so we were really happy to see Senate Bill 166 passed and signed into law. That was actually in um, uh, December of last year of 2021. But uh, that was State Senator Bill Reinecke from Northwest Ohio. We were uh, pleased to work with him on that one. And then also tech cred. Uh, you know, we have seen tech cred uh, grow from less than $1 million to $58 million in the most recent budget. And tech cred, of course, is uh, the ability for employers to really upskill their workers. So if they want to take someone who's who's busting their butt on the floor 
and train them and to become a manager or to become, you know, uh, you know, progress up through the ranks, send them back to school, get them some kind of certification, uh, upskill their workers. And then we provide as a state reimbursement for that. Uh, it's been wildly successful. Tens of thousands of, of Ohioans have improved uh, their skill sets, their marketability as, as an employee. And so we applaud the DeWine administration for creating TechCred, I believe about four years ago, and, and growing it ever since. In lame duck, uh, we had a really, really big, important bill uh, come to fruition, and that was Senate Bill 131. And what that does is it establishes what's known as universal occupational licensure reciprocity. I mean, we have over, I think, 650 different types of licenses throughout the state. And, you know, we're, we've got a problem right now. I mean, we have lost population over the years. We've lost a congressional seat. As a result of that, we've got to find a way not only to recruit out-of-state workers, but also to welcome back the millions of Ohioans who have fled our state over time. We think that uh, occupational, occupational licensure reciprocity uh, will be a compelling factor in that. Uh, you know, not only do we want to recognize occupational licenses from other states to make it easier for people to come to Ohio, but we think that it's going to not only reduce, but it could eliminate certain relicensing costs for individuals. So if, if the hours of training is, um, you know, less than in another state than it is in Ohio, and if they want to move here, they're not going to be obligated to go back and take classes. That's going to save those individuals all kinds of time and money. Uh, particularly low, lower income workers. And it supplies Ohio with trained professionals that have those skill sets to match in-demand career fields. So again, kudos to State Senators Rob McCauley, State Senator um, Christina Rogner. Uh, this is a bill that has been pending for many, many years. They finally got across the finish line. and We were glad to, to, uh, to support that. Uh, I'm going to give a, just a quick recap. Uh, we did get involved in, in some of the... Um, some of the elections that happened over the course of the year, uh, we endorsed, we, we do have a political action committee and we have a, uh, a, a committee of our chamber members that help advise us in that field. We went and we uh, interviewed a number of uh, both in, in, uh, incumbents and candidates alike uh, to, that were seeking the Ohio Chamber of Commerce's endorsement. We ended up endorsing in 60 combined races over this past year, 51 of those were candidates for the Ohio General Assembly, Republican and Democrat alike. Uh, we endorsed uh, six of the, well, all six of the incumbent statewide office holders. And we also endorsed uh, the three incumbent uh, Supreme Court justices uh, for those races. So a total of 60. We ended up winning 56 out of those 60. We lost all four on the legislature side, uh, three candidates did not pan out, unfortunately, and we lost one incumbent as well. That's still a 93% win rate. So we were really proud of, of our, our vetting and, and, and I guess of handicapping in these races. Uh, we are really, really excited about uh, the, the newcomers that are coming into the Ohio General Assembly. That We think a number of them are going to be extremely pro-business. Uh, also very, very thrilled to see the incumbent Supreme Court justices, uh, well, two Two of them retain their seats. The other um, is now going to be promoted to chief, to chief justice. That's Sharon Kennedy. We got involved in those races. Uh, I know our CEO, Steve Stivers, uh, played a very significant role statewide in raising money, 
leading what what ended up being a, a four million dollar fundraising effort to deliver on those races. Uh, again, we we play no role on the partisan side of things. We want justices that are going to create a very stable, um, pro business environment that are going to um, you know not legislate from the bench and not expose the business uh, community to additional liabilities. So we were really excited that all three of those justices uh, kept their seats and that Justice uh, Kennedy was promoted up to Chief Justice. Time will tell who government, Governor DeWine appoints to take that vacant seat, but we really think that uh, we're going to have a very strong 4-3 pro-business majority on that Supreme Court as we kick off 2023. Uh, looking ahead to 2023, you know, we've got a number of events we did a, a lot of events this past year. We had three what we call Impact Ohio events. Those were shaped around the elections. We had two, uh, of course, that dealt with uh, the, the primary elections because we had two primary elections, one for the general election. We had Tony Long runs a great tax conference. Uh, takes a lot of time and effort. We had a workforce summit that we partnered with Amazon Web Services on talk about technology workforce. We had an energy conference in the fall. We had a healthcare transformation summit. What am I, what am I missing guys? Did I hit them all? Yeah, I think we, overall we had 14 events all together, yeah. which is quite a bit compared to where we were in past years. Yeah. Women in business. We had a women in business event. We had a DEI summit as well. Uh, everything was very well attended, provided a, a lot of value and, and some great platforms for discussion uh, across our membership of 8,000 different uh, companies. So looking ahead, not only are we going to repeat all of these events, we will be having, uh, I believe, six of these Impact Ohio, what we're going to call regional events. So we're looking to team up with some of our metro chambers, some of our members throughout the state to tackle certain policy issues that are maybe specific to, to different ends of the state or just, you know, specific to where, you know, where Ohio is, is, is going, you know, in the next five to seven years. So, you know, we encourage everybody to to get involved, check out the Chamber's website, come to our events. If you're a member, engage with us on content, on speakers, um, you know, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you know, we, we provide a number of PSAs called the Market Minute. Uh, we provide all kinds of different uh, um, uh, video interviews that we have with elected officials, just a lot of great programming and content that we're trying to push out. And so, but we look for feedback from everybody listening as to what can we be doing to shed lights on important policy matters that are happening throughout the state. Uh, did I miss anything? Is there anything, uh, any, any parting uh, comments or anything from the team here? I just want to thank the Ohio Chamber members for trusting us to be a valuable partner in your advocacy at the State House. Um, and, and we look forward to 2023, uh, the next General Assembly, and welcoming uh, Speaker elect Marin um, and working with Senate President Huffman to continue advancing uh, a pro business agenda here in Ohio. Yeah, and, uh, and to that end, you know, we will be taking the blueprint as Justin Barnes described. We will be pulling from that a number of bill concept ideas that we hope to share with uh, a lot of the newcomers to the Ohio General Assembly and, and a lot of the veteran members. Uh, so keep an eye out. We're, we're going to be looking for all kinds of ways to, to partner with the General Assembly and to partner with the Hawaiian administration to further a pro-business agenda here in the state of Ohio. With that, I want to wish everybody listening a very safe, 
a restful and a blessed holiday season uh, on behalf of our CEO, Steve Stivers, and the entire staff of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. This has been the Down to Business podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next in 2023.